Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by Black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone, so listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Do not go gentle into that good night. Hello everyone! Hi guys! I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And this is Black True Crime. Black True Crime. And we have Bubby! And if this is your first time here at the show, friend, welcome and hello. And Bubby is my child. Bubby's in the building, Mm y'all. Get right or get tight. If you're on Patreon, you see him. Anyway, welcome back. And thank you guys so much for listening to the show. So let's not waste any more time and let's get started. One of the cruelest crimes in recent Boston history happened on December 13, 2005, in the basement of a house on Bourneside Street. The heartless, heinous murder of four young men shocked the Dorchester community and shattered the lives of the ones that loved them the most. So join us as we discuss the Bourneside Massacre. The Bourneside Massacres. Mm. Reminds me of Bourne. Edwin, also known as EJ, Chris, a.k.a. Fatboy, and Jason, a.k.a. Jay, had all met while they were going to school at Wakefield High School in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Hmm. We never go to Massachusetts. I'm going to say, this story sounds familiar. Also, JJ's cute. Okay. Hey, JJ. His name's Jay. He goes by Jay. His name is Jason. So you're calling him JJ? Yeah. Okay, okay. It just came to me. You did get comfortable pretty quick. Mm Mm-hmm. Their friendship blossomed over their shared passion for making music, and that led them to forming the rap group they called Graveside. Mm -hmm. In Massachusetts. Come on, Graveside. Come through. The group, okay, also, disclaimer, Bubby's here, so that means he's going to be making unnecessary noises. Y'all, he's grunting. He's smacking. The group would get together and practice in EJ's basement. This is EJ. Hey, EJ. Hey, EJ. A space they eventually turned into a full-blown recording studio. Period. They wasn't playing. Right. They had dreams. They performed for the first time for their youth group at church using, like, Christian lyrics over popular rap beats. Okay. As you do. Mm-hmm. We've all been there, mm-hmm. for those of us who grew up in the church. And in 2002, the group was able to open up for Talib Kweli. Ooh. He's a rapper that I think I've heard of a little bit. And they also opened up for Jagged Edge, which is Period. like Period. Cool... I know Jagged Edge. Mm-hmm. So they were doing their they were doing their thing. Mm-hmm. They were looking for a manager um, in the summer of 2005. They had just recorded their first album called Official Basement Files. I love that for them. Volume one. Like, so, imagine, like, this is the beginning of the people that we know. Mm-hmm. They were back in their basements creating mixtapes yep they had 13 songs on their first cd and they were passing it out to anyone that they could period trying to spread the word about Mm -hmm. graveside and on tuesday december 13th 2005 21 year old edwin 21 year old jason 19 year old chris and their technician friend 22 year old jihad shankor were all hanging out in the basement of edwin's house on bourneside street Mm mm-hmm 
Jihad was only there that night to help Edwin fix some of his recording equipment. So he wasn't even a part of the group. He was just doing a favor. Yeah, for a friend. The four guys had no history of conflict or beef with anyone in the area and really just seemed to be the type to mind their business. They really were focused on their career. I was going to say, they're on a mission. They're not thinking about no beef in the Mm -hmm. streets. Exactly. But as we know, a part of being a rapper, unfortunately, oftentimes requires some type of like thuggery involved. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to play the part, look a certain type of way or whatever. In some way, shape or form, somebody got to be a thug. Mm. (laughs) At least one person in the group. But these guys weren't gangbangers or street nickels. Mm -hmm. But they did have some like believable and kind of impressive props around the -hmm. recording studio they're believable meaning they're not real pro- no they're, they're not. no they're real they're oh. real one was an ak-47 Ooh. and another was a mossberg pump action shotgun oh i used to want a mossberg shout out to mossberg 800s okay um, <laughs> but there are two guns that can blow a hole straight through you a hundred percent i wonder how they got their hands on the ak not so much the mossberg mm-hmm. But like, how do you get? How do you find an AK forty seven? Just where? Well, the gun shop, the pawn shop. I think people sell them on the street. They would have to. It sounds like an illegal weapon. Yeah, I think they do sell them at gun shows, though. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. According to court records, the guns were mainly used to create sound effects that they like include in some of their songs. Mm-hmm. But they could very well be used as like protection. Yeah, like these oh, are real weapons. Oh, Come up oh, in here because. They had some expensive equipment in there, mm-hmm. you know. All they needed was a bullet. A bullet? A bullet in the gun. And oh, it's yeah. lethal. That's true. And speaking of bullets in the gun, the group did have one rule. Anyone that brought a gun into the space had to bring it in unloaded to make sure there, like, weren't any accidents. And I love that for them. Mm-hmm. They that at least was, had some type of code. That was smart. Yes. Chris, a.k.a. Fat Boy, had just recently purchased a 9mm with green glow-in-the-dark sights on it. Kayla, how old are these boys? I already said their ages. They're around 21. 19 the youngest is 19 they look so young Mm -hmm. i thought they were still in high school and he was reportedly showing everyone he could and was like kind of reckless about fat boy he was excited he was young he sometimes even left it in the studio because two days before the murders someone said that they had been in the studio and saw the gun there so there were three guns in the basement at that time Mm. on december 13th at Around 9 p.m., Edwin Duncan's mom heard gunshots and said that she saw a man who she didn't recognize standing outside the house. Oh, no, that's creepy as hell. Right. She said he was standing near Chris's black Ford Escort, and to her, he was very clearly not Chris. Okay. Because, like, she knew him. Yeah. A neighbor said she heard about two or three pops around the same time Edwin's mom did, and then she saw a dark car drive away from Edwin's house. Oh, no. Yeah. Edwin's mom tried reaching him by calling his cell phone, but he didn't answer. And then when she mustered up the courage to go downstairs in the basement, she saw Edwin, Jihad, Jason, and Chris all lying on the floor. And there was blood everywhere. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. She Nightmare. had a massacre in her basement. And her son was one of the victims. Just box me up right there. Imagine, they're down there all the time, making music, cutting up. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, she's deadly quiet. Oh, my God. After gunshots. Yep. 
She ran to call police who arrived pretty quickly to the scene. And that's probably because like multiple people were calling them because of the gunshots. Mm -hmm. And in this area of Dorchester, it was like known to be pretty safe. So this isn't something that this is shocking. This is absolutely shocking. When police arrived, they quickly realized that there was unfortunately no need for any trips to the hospital because no. all four men were dead. Whew. All four just like that? Yeah. Gone. Who came up in her house killing her kids? Because I'm sure she loved all four of them boys. No. So rest in peace to Chris and Edwin and Jihad and Jason. Rest in peace. So boys. fucking sad. When the police started investigating the scene. Oh, they wait. I have one question. Did you find any of their music? Oh, my God. Uh, you know what? I would have loved to hear their music. Okay, I'm going to find some. And then I'm going to put it Post on Instagram it. or something. Mm -hmm. When the police started investigating the scene, they noticed that there were no signs of forced entry, meaning that the four men, or at the very least, Edwin must have been familiar Ooh. with the person that did this because right. he it's, like seemed to house. willingly let them in. Mm -hmm. Right. They also noticed that there was no sign of a struggle which suggested that the guys were probably caught off guard when the shooting started. Forensics determined that all four of the victims died of gunshot wounds. Um, there were 12 casings that they found at the scene that were all fired from a 9mm Glock, which they theorized was the gun that belonged to Chris. You know what sucks? Like, if their rule was we don't bring loaded weapons in here, they mm -hmm. have all these guns and no way to defend themselves against a shooter right but it had to have been a rule that necessarily didn't stick because chris's gun was down there and it had it, it was loaded so I, I don't know however investigators didn't find the ak or the shotgun on the scene oh, or stolen the other one yeah so they theorized that the guns were stolen by the killer right i also want to mention that because all four victims were killed with the same gun investigators felt like it had to be one shooter responsible. I would assume the same. I can understand that. Six months later, the gun used to kill the victims was found in the possession of someone not even associated with the case. <gasps> and y'all know how motherfuckers be, okay? They find a gun on the street or they use a gun in a crime. Right. And then they try to get rid of it. So it Whatever. was not Chris's gun that was used to kill them? Or it was? It was Chris's gun. And they okay. found that gun on someone else six months later right mm. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it was basically a dead end in terms of finding the killer because like i said it's probably been sold a bunch of times and whatever yeah so they're back to square one investigators learned that the black car that was seen fleeing the scene was chris's car oh my god mm -hmm. is chris dead yes okay i just wanted to make sure <laughs> because we're talking about chris a lot yeah, we're yeah. talking about a lot of Chris's things. So yeah. why are people so comfortable be, to be taking Chris's gun and killing them? Or taking Chris's car? Like, what's up with Chris? Does I Chris know, know this person? We're going we're gonna to get to it. But yes, Chris knows this person. Oh, gosh. And the car ended up being found on an abandoned street somewhere in Dorchester a few days after the murder. Mm. And mm. for a second there, people were thinking that Chris was the killer. But this was obviously before like they knew all of the victims, all that. Because all they hear on the street is like, hey, yeah. Chris's car was involved. They're name dropping Chris without even telling the people Chris is also a victim right, of right. this freaking murder. It was still really early. Yeah. 
And according to a girl named Tanya Diaz, she actually spoke to the real killer on the phone the night it all happened. And she told him how everyone was saying that Chris killed some people. And the killer told her, quote, no, fat boy is dead. Oh, oh, my God. Use his 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 street name and everything. Yeah. And told him before the parents were aware, before the public was aware. So how the fuck did he know this? Because he was the killer. Because he was there. The car was unlocked and the keys were still in the ignition. Um, The car had been wiped down by whoever last drove it, but they forgot one print that was found on the outside frame of the car. Wee. Yeah. Little evidence left behind. It was a print to a left index finger, and police strongly believed that it had to belong to the killer. So who was it, Kayla? I'm not telling you yet. Mm. <laughs> so they ran the prints, and they just had to wait for the results. Now, a couple things I wanted to share that could have been confusing for investigators was that, one, there was some weed found at the scene, mm. which led them to believe that the murders could have happened because of, like, a bad drug deal. Maybe. It's just or weed. Or people were just smoking a little dope. Well, say having a good time Mm -hmm. but people do get killed over less it's true three months before the shooting so this is number two chris was stopped by police in wakefield which is his hometown and he was wearing a bulletproof vest chris what do you what what you got going on type of life are you living right now this is 2005 i don't know what the fashion is like back there i don't know it wasn't no bulletproof vest (laughs) Well, you don't know that, bitch. You don't remember. 2005? I was like eight. I was older than that. You were like nine. Nine. Mm-hmm. I remember. You still don't know. Third grade. I remember very well. What she was wearing? In Virginia, all black. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wore little to no color back then. Okay. And then three, according to Chris's dad, a year before his death, Chris was stabbed multiple times with a screwdriver after a fight about liquor. So Chris was on that. I, Chris, mean, I feel like Chris was the thug of the group. I mean, Chris. Okay, so here's what happened with the stabbing. He was at a party in Stoneham, and he stopped some like underage kids from stealing a bottle of liquor, okay. and they ended up stabbing him. Oh, mm-hmm. Chris. His lung collapsed due to the stabbing, and he had to recover in the hospital for several days. Damn! All because he was trying to be a, like a nice guy, yeah. a responsible guy. Yeah, yeah. And with this, plus the bulletproof vest, it could lead people to think that Chris was more, you know, hood. Or he was living that life. He was involved in a couple things. Mm -hmm. And that's actually something that Edwin's father felt could have contributed to the murders. He said, quote, I'm putting one and one together. The man got stabbed up and the way EJ described Chris to me, he's not the type of person to forget about it. So you think Chris may have retaliated? Or this is what Edwin thinks. This is what Edwin's dad thinks. Mm. Yeah. He thinks that maybe Chris had some, you know, bad blood with some people and maybe they came to settle the score. Yeah. And like Edwin and everyone else is just kind of caught in the crosshairs. I mean, I understand because Mm -hmm. if you see one dude who's sticking out because of his bad behavior or the bad shit that he attracts, Mm -hmm. of course you want to blame it on him. Yeah. But also Edwin... I don't know. I mean, Edwin's dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's figure out what happened. Yeah, because I'm like, Chris has a family too, and we can't just be throwing things out there because he's a victim in this, and they are too. Right. According to a friend of Chris, Edwin, and Jason's, he said that, quote, whoever it was was somebody who knows they were there. 
They zipped off in Fat Boy's car. They had to know it was his car. EJ mm. didn't let EJ didn't let everybody know where he lived. Whoever went there had to have gone there before or had to go there with somebody mm-hmm. who knew them. Oh god. And that friend was incredibly spot on. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. In February of 2006, so about 2 months after the murders, the killer just couldn't take it anymore, I assume. And ended up confessing to two of his friends. What? <laughs> yeah, a girl named Maria Ortiz and a girl named Cynthia Small. So dang, this dude stay around some females. <sighs> and you, you'll probably, you won't be surprised when you look at him. Mm. He told them with tears in his eyes that, quote, it was an accident. They were my friends. Shut up, bitch. Right, because you just told Tanya fat boys did. Like, it wasn't nothing. Right. And so now you crying. Maybe it did get to him over time. He did regret what he did. It's possible. Who is it? <laughs> we're going to get to it. He told them that they were all hanging out in the basement that night when all five of them were looking at Chris's new gun. And that according to court documents, when it was his turn to hold it, he got nervous and shot someone. How you get... Kayla, please. If I'm holding a gun and I'm nervous... I'm not going to pull the trigger. No. If anything, I'm, I'm going to put the gun down. Exactly. Get it away from me. Cynthia said that the killer said after he shot someone, quote, everyone crowded around him. He got more nervous and the gun went off and shot everyone. The gun went off and shot everyone. You shot 12 rounds. More than that. 12 is what they found. So don't don't play in my face. Right. I understand you're scared because, like, you're confessing and, like, you know, you're scared, but don't be lying. And that's just a ridiculous lie. You're scared. Kiss my ass. You weren't scared when you were taking people's <laughs> lives. And was it? Probably was, but did it anyway. Mm. He also admitted to the girls that there was someone else in the basement with them that night. And it was a man named Robert Turner. Robert Turner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said that if Robert hadn't run at the same time that he did, quote, he would have died too. Oh, uh, so he was gonna shoot Robert. He's gonna shoot Robert too, Beach. So oh he claims. God. So these women claim that he said. Because I'm like, why would they have made this up? He had to have said this, right? But what was Robert doing down there, and why would Robert have gotten shot? I think he would have got killed because he was also a witness. So, so he said Robert ran. So Robert, this whole time, has not snitched, has not has said, said anything. anything. No. The killer told Maria, <laughs> it's not funny, but it's just like, I can't I'm not surprising it. at all. I mean, I don't know. I feel like who's going to protect me if what, you know, I'm like, what if he comes at me because I was there? Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do, have my own weapon and be ready? Or am I going go to the cops to beat him? Like, what do I do? I mean, Robert looks like a uh, OG, like in the streets, like he knows what's up. So yeah. maybe that's why he didn't snitch. Well, Robert may surprise you. Mm. This is the perfect time for us to be talking about Factor because we just ate two Factor meals right before we started recording and they were amazing. Honestly, we were talking about like how 
in the world they got the nerve to have these like funky really good nutritious meals yeah it's really phenomenal these are two minute meals they're restaurant quality i can't even lie me and kristen said bitch we don't even have to season this today didn't add a single thing of salt seasoning <laughs> pepper nothing so if you guys want a no prep no mess type of meal factor meals are 100 the way you need to go head to factormeals.com slash black true crime 50 and use code black true crime 50 to get 50 percent off that's black true crime 50 at factormeals.com slash black true crime 50 to get 50 percent off you have to try it okay back to the episode bye the killer told Maria that when he was questioned by police about his alibi, he told them that he was with her that night and asked if she would say the same when they asked her about it. But she left that nigga on red. She didn't even reply. Mm. And I know I haven't mentioned who the killer is yet. Yeah. <laughs> but it was 19-year-old Calvin Carnes Jr. Calvin. The edge up in this picture is sending me. <sighs> He don't look like a dude who should be wearing cornrows. <laughs> One. And that's putting it politely. And two, he looks like a little, like, punk. Like, yeah. what you doing shooting folks, Calvin? Yeah, he's a punk, though. Don't put it past him. I didn't find out much about Calvin's upbringing or, like, who the fuck he even was. But I do know that he was born on August 8th, 1984. He was living with his parents at the time of the murders and was working construction for his father's company. So you was basically so, set up. I was about to say his father had a company right. that he could work for. You was set up. You probably would have assumed the position of what your father was mm. once you got older. Mm. You would have took over the company, but you playing. Just no need. What I'm getting from this is there is no need for you to be trying to steal weapons or doing all this extra no, weird shit. No need at all. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I learned about him. He sucks. Whatever. So according to court records, now we kind of know from the evidence that we have and the stories that have been told and speaking to the witnesses, this is kind of what went down. Mm -hmm. The evidence shows that Calvin and Robert rode with Chris, aka Fatboy, to the mm -hmm. studio on the night of the murders. The prosecution thinks that all of this happened because Calvin just wanted the gun that Chris had. Like, just wanted it for himself. Chris, so you shouldn't have been showing it off, but Calvin... You're going to ride with the Nick, excuse me, with the man mm -hmm. to where he, you know, is recording music with his friends just to take his gun. Right. So were you premeditating on killing them? So I don't know. I don't think that it was premeditated, but I do know that he was in a situation where he was in that basement with them and got the gun. Well, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to what mm -hmm. happened. But yeah, either way, he is responsible. He doesn't get any fucking slack for that. So he took advantage of a moment where Chris was passing the gun around to everyone, showing it off. And when it was his turn is when he shot Chris. Damn. Mm -hmm. Didn't even wait. Just shot him. Just shot him. And then the three other victims he shot. He then went back around to each person and shot them more. No. To make sure they were gone. No. Cal uh, what's your name? Calvin. No. Mm -hmm. We're not doing this. This was giving premeditated. <laughs> It's giving ruthless as fuck. Yeah. And all of those gunshots were to the back. So it was either to like the center of their backs or the backs of their heads. Edwin was shot three times. Jason was shot seven times. Chris was shot four times and Jihad was shot once in the back. Golly. And it went straight through his heart because he was like running for the door. Golly, Kayla. Oh my God. This is so... And so Robert ran, meaning Robert wasn't a part of this. Like, no. yeah, he was in the car, but like... So 
I don't I don't I don't necessarily know. I think it was because Calvin and Robert may have been closer than everyone else, mm-hmm. but then we find out later and I'm just going to tell you guys now, Jason had to be the closest to Calvin because Calvin was the godfather to Jason's kid. He shot Jason seven times as if like he had beef with him. Right. And this is the godfather of Jason's kid. Yeah. This case is really insane and just so fucking cruel. Why shoot Jason that many times? Right. I think it's maybe because he's like, he's the one that could definitely identify me. But it's like, all of them can identify you. But was it that just cruel and unusual? Or did he have beef with these dudes? So when Chris oh. brought Calvin to the house, did Calvin already know, well, this is what I'm going to do. Well, that's the thing. Like, they weren't able to prove that this was his goal when he got in the car with Chris that day. Mm-hmm. So I don't fucking know, bitch. So this is, is he really is he mental? <laughs> no, I don't bipolar. No. What is it giving? Don't look for an excuse to give him. There is not one that will fit. This it's not even about excuse. It's just like motive. Like, what's your motive? Yeah. Is it just for the gun? But you sold the gun. So what was it really about? Which I really don't know. Even the prosecution had to like assume a motive because a jury always likes to hear why someone did something. So they kind of had to pull one together because this man never gave them one. <laughs> So he didn't talk at all. I mean, he didn't. He kept saying that he was innocent. Mm. He never changed from like, I had nothing to do with this. You got the wrong guy. You a lie. Yes. And we're going to find out how much of a liar you are in a little bit. 19 year old Calvin and 22 year old Robert stole the three guns at the house. So the AK, the shotgun and Chris's gun and fled the scene in Chris's car. Now, you may be thinking like Robert was a victim of this, too. You know, he luckily got away. And it looks like he was because at first investigators never found any evidence suggesting that Robert knew what Chris was going to do before they walked into the basement. Mm -hmm. But they did find evidence that shows both Calvin and Robert hid the guns and made attempts to sell the weapons. So he's a part of it. (laughs) You're definitely a part of it now if you weren't before. Right. I mean, as soon as you decided to take those weapons out of the house, you're kind of a part of it, my guy. And then you didn't snitch on him once you left? I was about to say, as soon as you didn't report it, yeah, you was going to catch some time for this. Period. On the same day of the murders, there were witnesses that said they saw Calvin with a 9mm handgun with the green sights on it. So now people see you with the gun that killed these four people. You're fucked. And later that same day, Calvin was already trying to sell the AK and the shotgun to people that he knew. <laughs> like, wow. So this is just some hood shit. The stupidity. It, it just. It really just sounds like some sounds hood like. shit. Like, like you, like. you kill four boys mm-hmm. over guns mm-hmm. and selling them, making mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. on to the next. Yep. Wow. Probably didn't think about it again. And one of these. But remember, well, you said you thought he may have been like remorseful and felt bad after. Th- yeah. Because he wasn't moving like he felt bad. No, not until he ran his mouth to Maria in them. But even then, you, you frame it like, you know, it was an accident. Yeah. And you know, that's what people usually do, especially when you feel like you need to tell somebody mm-hmm. because it's just really eating at you. Mm hmm. It took investigators six months before arresting Calvin Carnes Jr. and Robert Turner on Thursday, May 11th, 2006. Mm. So before going to trial, this is the evidence the prosecution had against Robert and Calvin. They had Calvin's fingerprints in Chris's car. It's that one print. Mm. Mm -hmm. The left index finger one. Thank God for that one print. Right? But his defense team was like, hey, he's 
been in his car before. This isn't the first time. So, of course, his fingerprint is going to be in it. Mm. One, one fingerprint. Everything else is <laughs> Everything gone. Everything else is wiped one, down. Exactly. Not even freaking Chris's fingerprints are in there. Super sus. They found blood from one of the victims on the driver's seat area of Chris's car. Mm. Witnesses saw someone matching Chris's description leaving the scene. Chris's or Calvin's? Calvin's. Thank you for that. <laughs> there were witnesses that saw Calvin with Chris's gun after the murders. We already said that. Mm-hmm. They had the statements of people that Calvin and Robert tried to use as alibis. <laughs> they had cell phone records placing Calvin and Robert near the crime scene that night. That's going to get you every Wrap time. Wrap them up in a bow. <laughs> And sent them down the road. And there were witnesses claiming that both Robert and Calvin tried to sell them the guns. There you go. So. You have the guns that were in these people's homes. Yeah. Everybody knows what's Chris's gun. Right. You did it. You did it. And you was in his car. You did it. You fleed in his car. And they have proof that your fingerprint was on there. Mm. <laughs> I think the only thing that Robert could have got away with was... Oh, I didn't shoot nobody and I wasn't there. But because you was trying to sell the weapons, mm-hmm. that's a little shicey. But it still doesn't place you at the scene. Doesn't necessarily place them at the scene, no. But the only thing that I found <gasps> that verified that Robert was there was the girls. That I was going to say. Um, Chris, I mean, Calvin, Calvin told, told them, them that the only reason Robert didn't get shot is because yes, he ran. Exactly. So. And sold the guns with you. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. Yeah. What is happening here? And speaking of Robert, Robert decided not to even take his chances at trial and pleaded guilty to four counts of accessory after the fact to murder and multiple weapons charges. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do you get? Only 13 years. Wow. I mean, honestly, I understand. He witnessed. He witnessed it. A mass murder. He didn't say shit. He helped sell the weapons. Yeah. Yeah, you deserve every 13, every year you got in that 13-year sentence, if not more. But at the same time, yeah. I don't think he killed nobody. No, no, he definitely didn't. I, I agree with that. And this was a, like, he got 13 years without making any type of deal, no agreement with prosecution. Like, he didn't even say, yes, I'll testify against Calvin. None of that. Wow. He just admitted to what he did and was sentenced, which yeah. is really rare on this show. Robert's thinking, let's get this over with. <laughs> like, I did it. Just Let me, me just on. start serving my time. Right, right. But I think it has something to do with something else. Genuine remorse. Apparently, Robert showed it from the moment he got caught. Because, uh-huh. yeah, he didn't turn himself in. Uh-huh. But as soon as they caught his ass, he was showing remorse until the end. Well, good. Because he probably knows damn well them boys didn't have to die for no damn gun. Absolutely not. They didn't have to die for shit. They probably would have just given it to him if he asked for That's it. That's what I'm saying. Like, hold them up. It's a stick up. Right. Okay. They probably would have gave you the damn weapons. They definitely would have. He told the court on the day of his sentencing, quote, my actions were cowardice and heartless and also selfish. I was raised to be strong no matter what the situation was. My actions were wrong. Hmm. Period. Yeah. And he asked that the relatives of the victim see him as someone who made a mistake instead of, quote, an animal with no heart. Damn. Yeah. Damn. That's rough. It is rough. Because you can understand that they see him that way. Yeah. But you can also understand that he made a mother freaking mistake. He should he, he, he should have moved differently afterward for sure. Yeah. For it's- sure. Edwin's mother, Darnella, who was upstairs in the home when her son and his friends were shot. She said this to Robert, quote, 
It's such an evil, evil crime for someone to do this. To come into our home and take their lives. I will never get over that. Wow. End quote. Insane. AKA Robert, you ain't shit. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. I won't be forgiving you anytime soon. And Calvin, you are dirt. Where is his trial? Chris, he's coming. Can we get through Robert's sentencing? No. The judge that presided over the sentencing, Judge Conley, said at Robert's sentencing, quote, the murders of these four young men represented a tremendous loss, not just to their families who will forever mourn them, but to all the lives they would have touched through music and the arts and even simple friendship. By every single account, they were good kids, kids who did nothing to deserve their fate except to trust a cold-hearted killer. And to have guns in their house, you know, but that's not... At the end of the day, they were responsible in a way, because other than Chris doing a lot. But, like, nobody <laughs> was shooting nobody. You know right, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like we have guns in our house. That doesn't mean that, that we're gonna as go, an open invitation for someone to come and try to steal them. Right. The only thing is, is if anybody came up in here other than select people, they're not going to know you have a gun in the That's house. That's fair. Because you're not whipping it around That's and fair. acting like yeah. you're cool. But this is really sad because those boys really weren't bothering nobody. Yeah. And Chris, I'm... Damn, I wish you didn't bring these mother efforts up in damn Edwin's house. I know. And Edwin's parents didn't even know that the guns were down there. So it just adds an extra layer of just like, you know, sadness, shock, all that. Well. Robert had served two years already. So at the time of his sentencing, he had nine years until his parole hearing. Mm-hmm. And although he admitted his role in the crimes, he did not agree to testify against Calvin. Dang. So yeah. he's still honoring some type of G code. Yeah. To the streets. Wow. Calvin's trial started on May 19th, and his defense team seemed like they were ready to go to work because they took a big swing at trying to get both statements Calvin made to the police completely thrown out. Mm. He gave them a statement on December 22nd, 2005, and another one on February 10th, 2006. Mm -hmm. And we know that he lied in both of them, Mm -hmm. but he did admit to being in the basement in at least one of those statements. Mm. So I think the court ended up ruling that the statements stay in, but his defense team still didn't change their stance. They said Calvin didn't do it, he had no criminal record, and that he had the full support of his family backing him. According to Calvin's dad, quote, they were friends. One of them was his neighbor, his next door neighbor. Like, <laughs> these families, man, I feel so bad for them. They just love who they think mm. they love, you know? They don't even know that there's an other side to the coin. I was about to say, I don't even think they think calvin can do this right. that it's possible of doing this they think someone's setting him up this is ridiculous and they got the wrong guy also like did you not know that calvin was the godfather of jason's son who didn't know that i'm did talking about, yeah like talking about that one knew. of them was their neighbors i mean he he said other things there i'm i'm oh, sure but this is like a quotes. you know yeah one of the quotes uh calvin went to one of the funerals it was probably jason's but it was just like just poor taste because you did it I would just stay my black ass away, but he had to keep up. He had to save face. Yeah. Calvin ended up testifying on his own behalf. Are we surprised? No. No. Look at him. (laughs) He's just so unlikable. He seems unlikable, in my opinion. He seems like he's, like, playing a game, and Mm -hmm. we're just all his pawns. Yeah. He seems like he doesn't take much seriously, and he thinks, like, he can manipulate you Mm -hmm. into thinking that he's innocent. Mm Mm-hmm. 
He never wavered from his claims that he was not responsible for the murders. He told the court that at the time of the murders, he was at a friend's apartment drinking and smoking weed. And her name was Katrina Hall. Mm, I thought she was with Maria. Right. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. He's lying so many different times. No one can keep up. He said he was with Robert that day, but not during the murders. So, Mm. you know. He's admitting to parts of it. Yeah, and Robert ain't saying shit, so it's not like he's going to say, no, that didn't happen. Right. Calvin said the day after the murders, Robert gave him a gun that he told him to stash at a friend's house. But after he did that, he doesn't know what happened to it, what anyone did with it. It's in the wind. Calvin, you ain't crap. Robert's over here not (laughs) snitching, doing his time, keeping his mouth shut, didn't even go to trial, and you think stuff is a game. Yeah. You out here got his name all in your mouth. Too comfortable for me. Way too comfortable. He admitted that when he was interviewed by police twice before, he lied to them about who he was with. For what reason? I don't fucking know. So you're a liar. It was just because none of... He's a liar and the truth ain't in him, especially in this situation. Mm. He also testified that Maria and Cynthia were liars because he never (laughs) confessed to them or told them anything. Mm -hmm. So how did they know about Robert? How did they even know to say Robert's name? Right. Real interesting. Real, real interesting. And Robert's already convicted at this point. Yeah. Robert's Hmm. up the road. So we already, you know, we know that's a solid deal. Mm -hmm. So if they were right about that, why wouldn't they be right about you? Exactly. Oh, and Kristen, listen to this. He had the audacity to describe in court how he learned of the shooting. He said he was watching the news in his apartment that night and said, quote, I was crying and I was highly upset. I was confused and I was scared because it was highly possible I could have been there. So you was crying because you was concerned with your life and how it could have been taken? Like, you're a joke. How fucking You're sick. a narcissist. You he didn't do even have mental problems. He didn't even say... <laughs> he didn't even say anything about the people that lost the their lives. He's talking victims. about himself. Yeah. That's how you know he fucking did it. Narcissistic. hmm The prosecution responded to Calvin's claims about being with someone else during the shooting by calling Katrina Hall to the stand. Mm. And she vividly remembered being at home with her sisters... When she saw a report about the murders on the news. Period. So that's dead. So, <laughs> so all integrate. these girls you thought you had and then <laughs> you thought they had your back. Mm-mm. But it doesn't mean that she necessarily wasn't with him at the time of the murders. She just wasn't with him when she found out about the murders. Okay. Katrina. I'm just I'm just saying, Kristen, you know, it's it's just okay, something can play with. But we know he did it. Calvin, you fucking did it. Right. She testified that she did see him about a month later when he came to her house. He brought a gun with him. It was a black pistol, to be exact, and stashed it under her bed. Oh, and he putting you in it? Right. You better snitch. And Katrina was pissed. Like, her baby was there. She had a child. And she said she was so pissed that he did it while her child was there. Because he don't give a damn about you, Katrina. No, not at all. And she also testified that he told her he had an AK-47 for sale. Well, there you go. So he still had that gun at that point. Just crazy. I would love to know what his excuse was, though, when he was asked about how he came into possession of the gun stolen from the house that night. That part. What could you honestly say? What? Because you literally just said you wasn't there and you were crying on how you could have been there. Right. So how did you get the gun? He said, remember he said Robert... The next day, just handed me a gun and told me to do something with it. A gun, but not right. two. Not two. 
And you've been spotted with two of them, the AK and the black pistol, the the nine millimeter. Mm -hmm. The trial was over by June 6th and the jurors heard from over 65 different witnesses. Wow. There was 200 different pieces of physical evidence they had to go through. And they went through 16 jurors (laughs) instead of like the textbook 12. One was dismissed early on during testimony and three more were excused through the trial. Mm. So two on June 12th during deliberations and one just a day before the convictions. Dang. Yeah. And they all were dismissed for the same reason. It was, quote, for reasons personal to themselves. Mm. So I'm not really sure what that means. Yeah. But... I do know that every time they had to excuse a juror, they had to start deliberations over. Damn. Mm-hmm. I would have been hot. <laughs> I would have been hot as hell. So it wasn't until June 18th that the jurors finally came to a decision and 21-year-old Calvin Carnes Jr. was found guilty of four counts of first-degree murder. So first-degree murder suggests that it was pre-planned. So they had to have some evidence to where... He knew what he was going to do. Even if it's like the small second of, hey, I grabbed the gun when Chris was showing it off. Mm -hmm. And then he decided right then and there what he was going to do. That's still a window of premeditation. They would have had to because they can't really prove Calvin was driving in the car with the intention to kill all four. Right, right, right. They also found him guilty of three counts of armed robbery, one count of larceny, unlawful possession of a firearm, unlawful possession of a shotgun, and unlawful possession of a high-capacity weapon. Period. Get him for it all. Everything. They said that they convicted Calvin of Jason and Jihad's murder on the theory of deliberate premeditation, meaning he purposefully and planfully killed them, whereas Edwin and Chris's deaths were decided using the theory of felony murder, which basically says that they were killed in the course of a felony. Mm. So, like, so I'm, like assu- I'm assuming it's the robbery or possibly even the murders of Jason and Jihad. Okay. So, basically, like, while something was going on, they died or they were killed. Yes. Okay. While he was committing the Another other crimes. Yeah. Calvin should have taken a deal because each murder charge came with a mandatory life sentence. <laughs> I don't even think they probably offered him a deal they probably offered him one maybe to save the family you know the trauma of a trial but right but he wasn't taking that look at him yeah he was like he oh, he had something. yeah mm-hmm. he thought we would like look at him and give a fuck mm-hmm. newsflash we don't <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what he was sentenced to he was sentenced to life multiple counts of life in prison without the possibility of parole um unless he somehow wins an appeal and his most recent one happened in 2018 and it was denied Ooh. So he's still sitting in there. Ooh. Uh-huh. Good news. During his sentencing, though, a lot of family members of the victims were present and got to say their piece to the murderer. Elizabeth Barani, Chris's mom, said to him, quote, you will pay for what you did. How dare you take these good kids away from us for just a spark of adrenaline? You are truly a spark of evil. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tell him, Elizabeth. Jahad's younger brother, Zafir, said, I saw cruelty and meanness in your eyes. It is in our deeds and actions that portray the depth of what it is in our hearts, not in any book that you carry in your hand. And he said that because he noticed Calvin was like carrying a Quran into the courtroom when he would come. Really nasty, manipulative move. He really thought he was on a stage. Yeah, I know that pissed it jihad's family the hell off also um that brother was like very poetic 
Very aware, very emotional. Right. Yes. Jihad and his family had moved to the U.S. from Syria when Jihad was just four years old in search of a better life. <laughs> Zafir said that Jihad had a brilliant smile and a compassionate heart, which he did have a brilliant smile. Look at it. No. And Zafir told Calvin, quote, you do not know the love, the beauty and compassion you have taken away from this world. No. Jihad looks like he was probably the most personable. Yeah. Like funny, down to earth, down mm-hmm. to earth, mm-hmm. made everybody have a good time type of guy. Yeah, that's the vibe. That is get. so freaking sad. Rest in peace, Jihad. Rest in peace, Jihad. Rest, Rest in, in peace, peace to Chris too. Chris. Jihad's sister said that her brother was a homebody who doted on his parents, and that the last time they saw him was a few hours before he died, when Chris came to pick him up from their home. She said, "Quote: He held my mother, tickled her. Next thing, she hears a beep." And he left. Oh, my goodness. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It's horrible. Jason's uncle, Guillermo, love that name, raised Jason like he was his own. And when speaking at the sentencing, reminded Calvin how his last name in Spanish means meat and said, it is appalling how you have reduced Jason and his three friends to pieces of meat Hmm. and called Calvin a wolf in lamb's clothing. And that's a fact. Yeah. And I'm glad he called him out on his act. Right. Because that's what he was probably throwing in that courtroom was an act. Was a straight up act. Jason's aunt, however, Miriam, had some harsher words to say. She said, quote, you are a monster. I want you to imagine what his pain was in his last few moments. I want you to dream every single night what it must have felt like to hear your own heartbeat slower and slower as your life slips away, scared and in pain. Period. Ugh. Every time. I hope he remembers that. I hope he dreams about that at night. I'm going to dream about it and remember it. The way that she put it like that. Yeah, she did. She felt that. She's seen it. Yeah, she she literally put herself in Jason's shoes. That poor woman. That poor family. She shared with the court how Jason loved music and words so much so that sometimes he would just sit and read the dictionary. Wow. What type of man is this? These kids were Christian. They, they wouldn't have heard a fly. But they also like were serious about their crap. Like they were different. They yeah. were unique. Yeah. They were just trying to stay out the way and, and look do what their the fuck thing. happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's our case. Wow. That was really actually sad. It was actually really, really sad. And I hate that I didn't have like much to go off of as far as the lives of the victims and, you know, really being able to delve in that more. Yeah. Um, even delving into Calvin's little crusty corner of fucking history. Yeah. He just, he gives me really cocky. Yeah. Just a cocky dude. Yeah. That thinks he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, yeah. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let us know what you think. I feel like a piece of me has been drained. Yeah. Facts. I definitely feel drained. I feel sad. Like, I just, I feel like, dang, these boys really was out the way. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they had a couple of guns. Yeah, Chris was a show off. But, like, they probably never thought, oh, real trouble is going to come to our doorstep. Right. Especially if we just were banging with each other, not really anybody else. Exactly. I want to so. know what their rap was about. Was it gangster rap? Was it given? Or was it given, like, a te- intelligent rap? I mean, I, from what I'm guessing... It may not have been just intelligent rap because they were using the guns as like props and using it for sound effects. So it had to be a little bit more intense. Okay. (laughs) 
But yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Let us know what you thought. Thanks um, for dealing with Bubby. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> dealing with his sound effects that he likes to add. <laughs> and if you enjoy the show at all, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even Facebook. It really, really, really helps the show grow. Period. And uh, yeah, before we go, as always, be, be safe, safe, protect, protect your, your peace, and protect, protect your, your space. space so we don't, don't have, have to cover your case, case friend. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time.